Welcome to the Awakening Church, one of the great churches Maui has to offer. And now, Pastor Stephan Puslet with this week's message. Well, aloha, good morning, welcome. It's such a windy day, isn't it? All right, well, let's give God a praise for the wind. At least the sailors are, the sailors and the kite boarders and all the wind, wind surfers are all very happy right now. They're probably doing some pretty insane things on the waves. Well, my name is Pastor Stefan. So great to have you here this morning. And we're just so stoked because, man, God is moving in and through the Awakening Church and momentum's building. Our church is growing. And it's just been really exciting to see what God's been up to, not only just here at our campus here in Kihei, but we're seeing just growth happening all over the Facebook world as well. People are sharing messages. People are hearing the gospel being preached on Facebook. Yeah, that's how we roll. We'll take advantage of it as long as they allow it. <laughs> so um, if you could do that, if you could just go to the Awakening page and go and share it, um, go and like it and uh, share it with your friends and family. Um, but anyway, uh, we are so stoked that you made it here today. Uh, without blowing away, we're currently in our series called Failing Forward. Fail Forward. It's based off the book by John C. Maxwell, Failing Forward. And it's the concept that the road to success is paved with failure. And in our culture, in our society, we like to just, failure is like the plague. We want to avoid it. We don't like to admit it. We don't like to, uh, it to be around us. We don't like to be around other people who fail. It's just this, this, this word that's demonized, and, and we, we treat it as though it's no value. It's bad. Stay away from it. But the reality is, is failure is good. It's a necessary component to success, right? Einstein could have written a book on a thousand ways not to build a light bulb, but he eventually figured it out. And now we got these beautiful lights to light up our, our cafeteria here where we meet. So, um, but we talk about different components because I was thinking about failure and I was like, what are the biggest parts of failure in our lives that really impact us and really really shape the way we think about ourselves and all these different things. And the first one is it's got to be just sin, right? Sin is like this big failure uh, in our lives. And it's this thing that brings up shame. And we talked about this last week. It brings up shame and it causes us to run from God, to hide from God. And the thing is, is that God wants to run to him when we fall, not run away from him. And the idea is that we learn from our mistakes and that we make progress. And, and hopefully next year, and then five years from now, you'll look back and you'll be like, wow, I've really spiritually grown. And that's the goal. So we talked about sin last week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about work and creativity and, and, and coming up with something, making a living, and how it's so important that we push through failure to get to a place where we're succeeding. But today, I'd like to focus in on uh, relationships because I think that uh, the world we live in today is filled with broken relationships, failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. And the reality is, is that relationships take work. They are hard work. How many of you married? Okay? It's hard work. Okay? And you got to put in that work. So relationships... It's so important to talk about, and, and, but before we do, I'd like to share a little bit about this, okay? I have 
Uh, one of my best friends, I, I say one of my best friends because I got like four or five of them. And because uh, I don't want to like just give one the title so he feels superior, you know. Um, and ba- by the way, do you know that best man uh, came from the concept that when you got married, that you would have to have a bodyguard because you were marrying such an amazing woman that the whole town would be up in arms because now she is not available anymore. And so you would have to hire the strongest, best, most skilled swordsman to stand by your side to protect you so you don't get off on your wedding. Okay, so that's where best man came. So I have five of them, and um, one of them, um, I, you know, I just really, I, I really do a, my best to maintain the relationships because they're important to me. These are lifelong friends that I want to keep for my life. Um, and the reality is, is that one day, your best friends will get married, and then the relationship level goes to a whole nother level because you can't just maintain the relationship of your best friend. You also have to take into account their spouse because if you don't, you will no longer have a best friend, okay? Uh, and so here's the reality. Um, I, uh, in my past, I've grown significantly. My parents can attest to that. They can tell you a lot of the gray hairs on my father's head are because of direct cause of me. And um, so I can, uh, I can be, you know, in my past, I could, I could be uh, a jackass at some, at some times, or just for lack of a better word. Um, and even just a little bit uh, conniving and kind of feisty kind of uh, attitude towards life. And I went over to my best friend's house, and as you do with when your family, you, you, you can help yourself to food and walk in and open up fridges and take whatever you want. And so I did. I, I walked down to the fridge. There were two beautiful Italian Perrier waters, lemon flavored, and I took both of them. They're big, they're big, they're big like this one. Took them upstairs with the boys and watching TV and I just gulped both of them down. And then the wife of my best friend comes in says, excuse me, does anybody know where my Perrier water is? And I was like, um, whoops. And she got pretty mad at me, and I deserved it because I didn't ask. It was hers. Uh, but because of my lack of wisdom, I went, because I was so frustrated and lost my nerve, I went to the 7-Eleven and bought out the entire stock of Perrier water, and I went to her fridge and stocked it packed full of Perrier water, just to kind of put, you know, being feisty. Let, let me tell you, you know, because you, you can interpret that one of two ways. Oh, wow, he's super generous and nice. He replaced the water and abundant much more than he took, okay? Or you could have taken the way I was intending it to come across, which is like, I'll show you. And you know what it did? It hurt the relationship. It severely hurt the relationship because I was being a jackass. And I had to go back, and multiple times, I had to go back, swallow my pride, and ask for forgiveness, and make big efforts to restore a relationship that I was tearing apart. And to this day, we laugh about the Perrier water. In fact, I called them this morning and said, can I use that story? And they're like, sure, laughing about it. But the reality is that a relationship 
takes work. Because what happens is relationships will meet an obstacle at some point or another. There will be uh, friction. There will be conflict. And, and what happens is if you reach that point in your relationship where you go through a conflict and you fail, you got two choices. You walk away, which a majority of relationships, they go on like that or they get to some point where it's, it's critical and they walk away. Or you get back up. You go back to the drawing table and you say, I want to fight for this relationship. And so I want to talk about that because I don't know if there are any of you this morning who can think of a relationship that went sour, that went wrong, and it haunts you to this day. In fact, you may have a handful of them if you're like Pastor Stefan, right? You might have some people who you have broken relationship with. And it, and it keeps you up sometimes at night. You think about it. Some things will remind you of them. You look at and you see on Facebook maybe something they're up to. But that relationship's broken. Some of you are scratching your head and saying, why did they just walk out on me? I, they didn't even tell me what, what's wrong. And then all of a sudden, like, I can't get through to them. I can't call them. It's, relationship's broken. Or maybe you, should, maybe you had a relationship and you said something you should not have said. You should have kept your mouth closed. Remember mama said, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. But no, you walked right into it and you knew you were, you, when you're doing it, you knew you were stepping in it. But you did it anyway. And the relationship is broken. Or maybe, maybe, you tend to have broken relationships with people who are super offendable. How many of you know someone who's like, oh my gosh, I have to walk around eggshells with them, and it's just like, oh, maybe that person is you. <laughs> but think about your last, the, the, the biggest, the most hurtful broken relationship that you can think of in your, in your mind. Put it right there in the forefront. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did you stop trying because you failed? Or did you fail because you stopped trying? See, God will intentionally put high-maintenance relationships in our life to grow our character, to grow patience, to grow in our capacity to love people who are otherwise very unlovable. Uh, with, with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. I'm going to challenge the majority of you in one way or another when it comes to these broken relationships. So prepare to get challenged. So we're going to prepare our hearts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for what you're going to teach us about failing forward. Uh, in relationships. So many of us have broken relationships scattered throughout our lives. Bodies lie in the wake of our past history. And Lord, we just, uh, we just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, that you would just come in and, and just uh, saturate the atmosphere here in this room, Lord. I, I pray that you would start to pry open hard hearts, Lord, and that you would work your way into the minds 
And, and, and it's a way we can understand and grow in a way that we are able to love those around us in a way that brings you glory and honor. And so, Holy Spirit, help me step out of, my, out of the way and speak through me. Um, we just, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Now, here's the reality. We are in a time in our history where I think that Satan is at more work than ever in the business of breaking marriages, relationships between sons and daughters and and fathers and mothers, breaking up families, breaking apart communities, nations. We're a nation that's full of angst and venom towards each other. And Satan does his best work when we have conflict and broken relationships. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, this is, this is what he said. And by the way, it's so cool because Jesus reads minds. <laughs> He's got the mind-reading power. All right, so Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is what? Doomed. Or a town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So there's a battle for your family. The unity in, 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 in the, there's a, there's a battle for unity in the church. There's a battle for unity in our nation. And it's an all-out war. So, if we want to fail forward with relationships, if we want to repair the relationship, what do we need to do, all right? Well, we need to proof our relationships. Put on some Kevlar jackets to bulletproof our relationships. The first one is we have to offense-proof your relationship. Offense-proof, okay? Remember how I was talking about that one person you can think about who's super offendable, or maybe that person is you. Well, I want to talk about how offense impacts relationships. It's, it's very toxic. Um, Mark chapter 6, verses 3 to 6, uh, Jesus is going to his own hometown. He's going around family, and he's trying to minister, and there's some drama that happens, okay? Um, and so we're, we're going to talk about where it all broke apart and why, okay? So Mark chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, this is what it said. They, and who are, who are they? That, his hometown, okay? His hometown, which is neighbors, friends, family, you name it, okay? They, they were what? Deeply offended and refused. This is two parts here. They're deeply offended and refused to believe in him and Jesus, then Jesus told them, a prophet is not honored, every, is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was, what, amazed at their unbelief. So in this text, unbelief, and offense are packaged together. And here's why. 
One begets the other. Offense usually leaves to something else, a worse sin that gets in the way of our faith, of our ability to love, of our anger. Offense leads to a whole lot of other problems. In this case, the offense, being offended, led to lack of faith, which then as a result led to what? Jesus couldn't hook them up because they were offended because of their lack of belief. He was only able to do a few miracles. Could you imagine what would have happened if they weren't offended? How much more he could have done? And then it says he was amazed. He was amazed. And so when it comes to relationships in our family, in our church, in our communities, when we get offended, it breaks down the relationship. It leads to brokenness. And here's what Paul talks about. Here's how he says to deal with offense, okay? Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Very simple. He said, what? He says, make what? Allowance. I love it. How many of you give your kids allowance growing up, right? So you're like, you're putting away, or like, make an allowance for like uh, savings, allowance for going and having some fun, some recreation, whatever. You make allowance, okay? So he's saying put aside, right? Put aside a little extra breathing space and undefendability, right? Make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you guys got some faults up in here? All right, and I got raised two hands. I'm right, all these fingers pointing at me. All right, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who what? Offends you. Forgive them. Because it's really easy to get offended. I easily get offended. And I, every day, every hour, I'm saying, I'm going to choose not to be offended. I'm going to make allowance. Because I can go down that path and it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to death, right? So remember, the Lord forgave you, so you what? So you must forgive others. And here's the way. It's a lousy, it's a lousy way to live, to, to, to hold on to that stuff, to get, to get easily offended. You're no fun to hang out with, okay? You, how many want to be fun to hang out with, where people, they, they're calling you up. You're the person sought out in town to hang because you are so positive and upbeat and not easily offended. Okay, I want to be that person, but it takes work. And here's the thing. Here's offense. We all have it. I, I have multiple, even just this morning, opportunities to take offense at people. Some, somebody just looked at me funny, and I was like, oh, right? <laughs> right? So um, the, here's the reality. Okay, we have only so much allowance to hold things. There's only so much you can put on your plate before it starts falling off and, and You've got a certain amount of space to hold on to things. If you're holding on a fence, you don't have room for a miracle. How many of you guys would like miracles in, in your life? You get it. You got to let go of that offense in order to get that miracle. We did a whole series on offense. This is a little bit of that. But we got to offense proof our relationships. And it's a choice. It's a choice. And you're a whole lot more fun to be around when you choose to be unoffendable. Failing forward, uh, the second thing that you need to proof, and I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I'm going to challenge a few of you, including myself. 
Um, I'm preaching to myself on this one. Uh, because we all can get sucked into it very easily and distracted by what's important. You need a political proof your relationships. The two most powerful tools of the devil are division and strife. And boy, oh boy, just turn on the news and you can get real upset and anxious in just a few minutes. James chapter 3, verse 16 says, in the King James Version, it says, for where everything, I'm sorry, envying and strife is, there is what? Confusion in every kind of what? Evil. Evil. So, so when you're allowing in strife, opening the front door of your house to the devil. You know what strife leads to? Anger. There's a lot of people angry at each other in this nation. You open the door to anger, and what does the Bible say that anger does? It gives Satan a foothold in your life. There's no other verse that says, so we're, you know, you're Christian, and hey, you're giving him an edge, a, a space an allowance in your life. I don't know about you, but that scares me, that Satan can have potentially a foothold in my life. When I'm, I'm meant to do my purpose on this earth is not that, not to give him allowance, not to give him footholds. So let me, let me, let me uh, okay. I know plenty. I have so many Facebook friends on the left, and I've got so many Facebook friends on the right. And what's happened is in Facebook world, there's been half of the people have unfollowed each other, right? If you're smart, you don't unfriend them because then you don't want them to know that you hate them or what their comments are. <laughs> but, but half of the Facebook world has unfollowed each other, right? And we seem to just hear the same things that we believe, and it reinforces what we believe, right? And, and, and what it does is, is I, I, I don't like that person because of what they're posting. In re- reality, it's this weaving, this, this strife is weaving, this anger is weaving its way into our world, and we don't even realize it. And some of us on the Facebook world have taken on the role and the job of saying, hey, I am the designated truth teller. I, will, I am free to tell it like it is. How many of you guys know somebody like that? How many of you are that person? Okay. All right, I'm going to preach to you for a second. I'm going to press in now. It's my job as a pastor. If I'm not doing it, if I'm not pressing in every once in a while, challenging you, I'm not doing my job. So here we go. Galatians. Oh, I'm, I'm free. I'm, I should be free to tell it like it is. Well, let me, let me show you a little verse. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. I've always read this verse in a different way, and all of a sudden, boom, came to life in a whole different way. This whole political proofing relationship, it just opened this verse up. This is what it says. Is it, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. Whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Continue reading here. Rather, use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up into a single sentence. What? Tell people the truth, how it is. No, no, it says, love others as you loved yourself. It's, it, we, it, you have to keep in mind the context of the verse. That's an act of true freedom. I love context. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. 
in no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other and where your precious freedom will be then. Where will it be? It's talking about the context of relationship. Don't use your freedom to hurt other people. Be careful. Love each other. Otherwise, you're going to be biting and ravaging each other until there's nothing left. Relationship's broken. It's done. Okay, I'm going to press in a little harder. Here's another verse. You're like, ah, that was uh, a little shaky at most. Well, I'm going to bring it now. Okay, here we go. Second Timothy. Oh, by the way, before, before I go on, if you haven't heard avoiding the uh, election infection on the app or on Facebook Live, I encourage you to go and listen to that. It's really, really good message. And what it, what it basically essentially boils down to is that relationships transcend politics. They're more important. They're more important. When you get to the judgment throne, you think God's going to be like, all right, what party are you? How many times did you take a stand on Facebook? And how many times did you get unfriended for the truth to be told? Is that, is that what, what it's, what's the Bible boil down to, right? Love God with all your heart and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Everything can be, okay. That's what he's going to be talking to you about when it comes to his judgment throne. All right, now I know I'm preaching to somebody, amen? All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. This is fun. Run away from infantile. Oh, I love that word infantile indulgence. We're going to get the context of what he's talking about here. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace, joining those who are honest and serious prayer before God. Continue to pray, or continue to read here. Refuse, okay, here we go. You ready? Put your seatbelt on. Refuse to get involved in inane discussions. You know what inane discussions are, right? A whole lot of political hoopla, right? They always end up in fights. God's servants. Who? who, Any God's servants in here? Any God's servants? I don't see any. Okay, good. That's good. Good. Um, God's servant must not be what? Argumentative. But a gentle talker? No. Listener. Got to open your eyes. Open your ears. And shut your mouth. Okay? Must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps what? Keeps their cool, steady iceman. Okay? Gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool. Working firmly, but patiently. You can tell truth, but you've got to earn relationships. You got to get in context. There's a time and place to do those things. I'm not telling you just, okay, we cannot ever, ever discuss those things and I'm going to put duct tape on all your mouths and control you. No, I can't. I can't do that. But we're going to read the word here, okay? So, oh, we go, did we go back? Okay. Uh, Keeps cool, working firmly, but patiently with those who refuse to obey. Okay, now this is the good part. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. I love this. Because I know all of you, and here at the Awakening, we have liberals, 
and we have conservatives all under one roof. And somehow, we're figuring out how to love each other, which is really cool. But it starts from the pulpit, the way we treat each other, right? Uh, and so the reality is, is there are some, and I'm going to just be transparent with you, there are some topics or ideals that some people would look at me and say, you're ultra-conservative. And then there are some other views where people would look at me and say, well, you're a flaming liberal, okay? I'm Swiss. I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm allowed to be neutral. And I'm a pastor, so you've got to use wisdom. I've learned this over the years. I've lost a lot of relationships because I closed my ears, closed my eyes, and opened my mouth. And, and, and it was broken. The enemy came in there and played havoc. But the reality is here. So if you're liberal and you have a liberal idea and you have a relationship with somebody here in the church, guess what? Love. Listen. Put the relationship first. And who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit. And that's what our goal is, to get the Holy Spirit in people so that the Holy Spirit can guide them in all truth. That's our goal. And hopefully... You never know. The verse that pull up that last section of the verse, you never know. They might change their mind. On the flip side, for those of you who are conservative, you have conservative values. Do what this verse says. Pull up the last end of that last verse. No, the, it's, yep, right there. Enabling them to, okay, sorry. You never know when, no, no, back, back. You never know when God might sober them up to change of heart. Same for you conservatives, okay? This is important because the reality is this. I had a friend growing up, and he's a good friend of mine, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he invited me to his home, and I had assumed this friend had the same ideology that I had. And so I went on into some rant, some real political rant. And the room got silent. And to this day, it's a broken relationship. And that's one of the relationships I think back, what could I have done? I should have shut my mouth. My relationship with him mattered more than that stupid rant that I went on. But I've lost it. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for this church. I, I don't want that. So we, we've got offense-proof relationships. We've got a con, I'm sorry, uh, political-proof your relationships. And then, and by the way, um, before I get to the last one here, I love, I, because that relationship's broken, guess what I lost? I lost my capacity to influence my friend in a good way. I could have added a whole lot more valuable by being in his life. Because me being right on a particular argument took precedence over the relationship. I lost the relationship and the capacity to influence. Never sacrifice influence to make a point. Never sacrifice influence to make a political stand. It's one of the most valuable things that you have. Make allowance. Love people. It's our job. Okay? All right. Moving on. So failing forward, the, th the third thing I can think of here is, is the conflict-proof, your relationships. Conflict-proof. OK? 
Okay, now, what does it mean? We avoid all conflict. We're going to sweep it under the rug. No, that's not what I'm talking about. See, we avoid conflict like the plague, like failure. But the reality is this conflict is, is, is a part of relationships. It's just there. It's going to be there because of the fall, uh, because of sin. It's going to be there. But it's how you navigate conflict that's going to protect you. So, Christian perspective on conflict. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15. Simple instructions here. If a fellow believer hurts you, go take a nap. Go do the laundry, put it off for 10 years, and let it grow into bitter, 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 cancerous venom. No, what does it say? If a fellow believer hurts you, go and what? Tell him, work it out. Work it out. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. Good. Okay. So if you've been offended, which you so easily can be, your job is to say, hey, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was hurt by when this happened. And they'll be like, 99% of the time, they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize, I'm so sorry, I didn't even realize I was doing that. The 99% of the time, we assume that they intentionally did it. They did it. Just go tell them. Get it off your chest. And who knows? They might be like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Let's, let's mend the relationship. Good. That's your job as a believer. The second part. Right? This holds both parties accountable. I love it. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 23. If you enter your place of worship, where are you guys right now? Place of worship. All right. And, and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Somebody's been offended by you and you doing something or you talking and opening your mouth, right? If someone has something against you, abandon what? Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Now, for the sake of Everybody not getting up in this moment and walking out of the church. I'm going to say put it off for just a second here. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, if you offend somebody, you're to what? Go work it out with them. If you're offended by somebody, go work it out. Tell them. Because guess what happens? And the truth and the light can shine in and expose things for where they are, and then there's opportunity to mend the relationship. Because Satan loves operating under secrecy. People are secretly offended at you, and you're secretly offended at them, and you're going to sit on that side of the church, and they're going to sit on that side. You're not going to make eye contact because you're offended. You go to a family reunion, and you're just not talking to that person. Uh-uh. They are just so annoying and offendable. Well, guess what? By thinking that very thought, you are also offendable. So, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Okay? So, offense-proof your relationships, political-proof your relationships, conflict-proof your relationships. Because why? Relationships transcend politics, and our Christ-centered unity, listen to this now, our Christ-centered unity 
transcends this whole diversity thing. Now, what's really cool is awakening. We're diverse, very diverse. But guess what? I'm challenging you to leave that at the door, what makes you different at the price we pay and the allowance we pay for bringing unity. Well, how, how do we do that? How, what, what's the scripture? Okay, well, why is this important for us to be one? Are we talking about one political party? No, 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 no. We're talking about something else here. We're talking about our love for each other, our compassion for each other, our patience for each other, our allowance for each other, our ability to, to, to work things out when relationally things go sideways. This is, this is what God's Word says, and this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you apply it to your life. Check this out. John chapter 17, verse 22 through 23. All right, Jesus is here. He's talking to God, the Father, and Jesus is the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. That's what we, it's a cornerstone of what we believe in our Christian faith. God and three persons, right? H2O comes in three forms. What are they? Water, liquid, vapor, and solid, okay? All right, real quick theology lesson. Jesus is talking to the Father. He says this, I have given them the what? The glory you gave me. Pretty cool. Jesus did some pretty incredible things. And he's given that and passing that on to us. That they what? That they may be one. As we are one. And I in them and you in me. So that they what? May be brought to complete unity. Why is it so important, this unity? Well, I'll show you. Then what? Then the world will know that you sent me. Ooh, that's powerful. Don't, don't let that fade on you and the importance of that. So you will know, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here's why this is so important. This is why I'm going there from the pulpit and saying, hey, relationships transcend politics because unity will be a sign. It will be evidence of the truth of the gospel. When the world sees the church gnawing and biting at each other and infighting and gossiping, being impatient and being offended by each other, guess what that does? It does the opposite. It's like repellent. From what they really need because the way we're treating each other is divisive. It's full of strife. So, gonna land the plane. You've got those broken relationships. You, you know, you understand where you may have compromised a little bit. You didn't maybe even really realize it was happening until maybe now God is convicting you of it. And I pray that He does. And I pray that over time, you grow in wisdom and maturity to get to a place where you can learn, learn to say, I'm not going to be offended. To learn to say, I'm not going to go there with that person because it just doesn't matter. I care about them. To learn to say, hey, let's, if we, we have a relationship problem, let's come back 
Let's come back again. And you know, the best relationships are the ones where they've come back over and over again and they still are together. Those are the best. Those are the most valuable ones. So we're going to bring up that relationship that may be in trouble or is already broken. And we're going to do some business with God. Because see, here's the thing. We need his help. I know it said on that last verse, you need to go, like leave your offering at the thing. But we're going to ask for God's help before we go because some of you are going to need some help. Okay? So we're going to pray. Um, if we can bow our heads, close our eyes. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, um, gosh, for relationships. And Lord, so many times in our life, we've failed over and over again at relationships. We've failed. And there are people along the path of the history of our life who've been broken, abandoned, bodies lie on the trail. And for Lord, some of us, we've We've gone back and tried to feel, fix and heal those, and, and it hasn't worked. Um, and Lord, we need, in that capacity, the other person needs to be able to come to the table, so we pray that you would do a miracle with that case. Lord, for some of the relationships we haven't even tried yet, Lord, bring those to mind. Um, give us the ability and capacity to be loving influencers, and lights in this world. If you're here this morning, if you could think of a broken relationship, if you think of a conversation that you're needing to have with someone, and you're like, man, I need God's help, um, would you be courageous? Nobody's going to look around. Keep our eyes closed, our heads bowed. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? I'm raising my hand just so you know. God bless you guys. A ton of you are raising your hands. I don't even need to call you out. There's just so many of you. That's good. Um, Lord, we just pray for your help. Because we, we're going to have to have some crucial conversations for the Lord. We're going to have to listen. We're going to have to be patient, Lord. We're going to have to close our mouths and bite our tongues. Uh, Lord, you say in the word that the tongue is, is, is wild. It's like a, a rudder that steers an entire ship or sets fire to an entire countryside of crops. Lord, we just we pray the, for your help in doing this. It's not easy work. It's stressful. It's overwhelming. It's scary. And it's not fun. So, Holy Spirit, would you help us? We, we want to be one. We want to be unified. Especially in our church, we want to be, we want to be a beacon of truth and hope to the world. So help us do that as a church. Continue to pray. This morning, some of you are far from God because you've never given your life to him. You've never surrendered your heart to him. Maybe you believe in Christ and believe of his existence, but Satan and demons also believe, but they are not surrendered. They're not on Jesus' team. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, to, to surrender your life. To say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just stand in mediocrity anymore and try things the way I've tried for so many times and failed and failed and failed. And I'm just repeating the same attempts and nothing's changing. I need something different. Well, it's Jesus. I'm telling, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's Jesus. If you want to surrender your life to him or even rededicate your heart to him, because maybe you did a long time ago, you surrendered, but you've gotten off track and you need to just say a prayer to realign your heart with him. Either case, we're going to say a prayer out loud all together so nobody feels left out. And we're going to, we're going to give our hearts to him. If you want to surrender, you say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the dead, and you conquered death 
so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Thank you for joining us this week. The Awakening Church is a church that unchurched people love to attend, where real people can come as they are and connect with others who love God. If you're on Maui, please come join us. If you're not on Maui or you can't attend a service, check us out online at theawakening.org or download our Awakening Church app. You'll find past messages, online Bible studies, scripture, and lots of other cool stuff, including ways where you can help us continue our mission. If this message has blessed you, you can help us increase our reach by giving to The Awakening Church, either on our app or online. Thank you for joining us. Aloha. Aloha.